India has the largest number of Facebook users in the world at about 280 million. Imagine one of those users posting a comment there. That's something a lot of us have done. But then imagine being accused of a crime and thrown in jail because of that Facebook post. This is Book Public, a Texas public radio podcast about books. I'm Yvette Benavides. At Book Public, we're committed to connecting listeners to books that help us understand today's world and each other a little bit better. In A Burning by Mega Majumdar, Jeevan is a Muslim girl from a Calcutta slum. She's just managed to purchase a long-coveted smartphone. On Facebook, she responds to a hate-filled post against her own community after a suspected terror attack. She's so angry that she uncharacteristically calls out the police and the government. Following that, because she's Facebook friends with someone believed to be connected to the torching of a train that leaves 100 people dead, and because of that comment on Facebook, she's accused of being complicit in the crime and is arrested. A Burning is Mega Majumdar's debut novel. It details the hard luck story of Jeevan that begins with this dramatic situation, and then chapters alternate among her point of view and that of P.T. Sir, a physical education teacher from her old high school, and Lovely, a trans woman who's been tutored by Jeevan to learn English, a language that will help her in the context of the world of performance that she's so desirous to be accepted in. What can fiction offer us today during a time of so much unrest and uncertainty in our world? Well, one answer afforded us by a burning is that no matter what oppressive systems continue to exist or emerge, no matter the collateral damage of those systems of oppression, there will still be glimmers of historical reckonings among the worst chapters of our common history because of the actions of individuals. Mega Majumdar lives in Brooklyn, and we spoke to her about her novel, A Burning. So let me ask you about A Burning. So here's this character named Javon, who's done, mm-hmm. who's done something that lots of people do every single day on social media. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And that becomes this first domino to fall in the story. So mm-hmm. do you want to explain what she does? And then just to provide some context, like... What does it mean that she would do such a thing in India at this moment in time that you've created in the novel? Uh, Jeevan is a young woman who works at a clothing store, and all she wants is to ascend to the middle class. And she has this first job. She purchases a smartphone. And like you said, she makes this comment on Facebook um, about an attack on a train that has just happened. And as a result of that comment, she gets caught up in this um terrorism case where she is accused of um, having been involved. And Part of what I wanted to explore through Jeevan's story is how, you know, some people can work incredibly hard. They can work 
honestly and with dedication and still be caught within these institutions and systems which defeat them, which challenge who they want to become. Um, and I wanted to show how this person who is striving toward this particular goal gets defeated by certain institutions around her. And part of why I wanted to have this element of a Facebook comment and the smartphone in the book is that um, it's such a common part of Indian life. Um, I think India is the country with the largest number of Facebook users in the world and um, using social media and using messaging in that way um, is very, very common. And lots of Indians are hopping on the internet for the first time. So that is very much a part of current Indian life. And I wanted to bring that into the book. That's such a difficult negotiation. I think the idea of the phone, I mean, we sort of take it for granted that we all always have our phones. They're so ubiquitous. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's very interesting. I saw an interview with with an author who said um, she was going to set her novel during a time when there were no cell phones because it was just like this very difficult negotiation for her. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, do they do they have it on them? Could they get out of this, you know, this uh, uh, moment of uh, whatever snag or tangle they were in to have to look something up on their phone? And I and but. The way that you've managed it in this novel, of course, it's just as natural as our lives really are, is that the phone, we always have our our phone on hand. We're always checking social media. So that part yeah. of it, I thought, was uh, was quite brilliant. There's an interesting character here. So in actuality, the novel is told through alternating points of view. So Jivan is one, and, and we also have P.T. Suri, such an interesting character to me. I see him is a perfectly likable fellow, but he's also someone who's so easily swayed to do the to do something questionable and make himself believe mm-hmm. that it's okay to defend the whims of basically a corrupt person. And he just mm-hmm. becomes blinded by the attention that he seems to be getting, perhaps for the first time in his life, from mm-hmm. this uh, this leader of this group. And he's called on to be a character witness. Uh, to further call into question the integrity of poor Jivan. So mm-hmm. where did the idea of this character come from? He's such, he's just seems like such a, a different sort of character. Yeah. So PT sir is a physical education teacher in India. We called them physical training teacher. So that's how PT sir. Um, and he teaches at this girl's, He has a very ordinary life. And one day he comes upon this political rally and becomes drawn to this crowd and the energy and fervor of that crowd. And slowly he starts becoming involved in this right-wing political party. And I think what I wanted to explore through this character is the life of a person who, like you said, He's not evil. He's not a villain. He's just an ordinary person who sees a chance to grasp at a little bit of political power in a society with huge power differentials. And I wanted to see what will such a person do to secure his hold on that power? How far will he go? Um, How much will he hold on to his morals and personal ethics? And how much will he sacrifice? Um, 
And again, it was very important to me to write somebody who is um, complex and not flat so that his rise through this political party is not doesn't make him a villain, I hope. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly right. That's one of the things that I find actually quite, he is a very likable person. And and it is simply because of how complex he is. He's, no one is 100% uh, good and no one is 100% evil. Mm -hmm. These, you know, sorts of um, morality plays that we might see in other contexts. But he is, Mm -hmm. he is somebody who just, he's taken up in that moment where he's getting some attention, that's quite human, I think. It's he's it's a very human quality, and mm-hmm. then in this sort of trifecta of of points of view, and and there are other points of view that come into play as well. But the central ones, the third one, rounding them out is lovely. So here mm-hmm. we have an, again another kind of unlikely character, and not to give too much away about the novel. But <laughs> so here she is. She's Hijra, she's trans, she's uh, um, intersex, mm-hmm. who would be mm, reviled, even ostracized in many contexts, perhaps. But mm-hmm. she emerges in this novel um, as a force. Where did Lovely come from? Lovely, her life is lived at the intersection of all of these different kinds of marginalization um, in terms of gender, in terms of class. She makes a living performing at weddings and different ceremonies and sometimes also begging for money on local trains. So here's this person who has all of these different forms of oppression acting upon her life, who decides that her dream is the wildest dream that any of us could have, which is to be a movie star. So she takes these budget acting classes in order to fulfill her dream of becoming this movie star. And I wanted to see how somebody who is oppressed and is marginalized in all of these ways still never surrenders her determination, her humor, her particular intelligence. I wanted to write a kind of joyous and determined arc for this person, a person who is funny and brings kind of laughter and joy and pleasure into the book. And one element of Lovely that um, I really felt strongly about was also, you know, um, she is somebody who struggles to learn English. Um, She is not a reader. She does not care very much for books. And I, as a person who uh, is a writer and also I work as an editor, books are my whole life. But I wanted to really write a character who is not served by books and acknowledge that, you know, books do nothing for her. Um, And I wanted to hold that truth alongside the truth of how much I personally love books. <laughs> that is so interesting. And but there's something about that character so and you made obviously the deliberate choice to those those sections lovely sections are in first person point of mm-hmm. view and we can hear her we can hear her English we can hear what she has learned perhaps from 
uh, Jivan, and but it's it it it's just such a natural uh, and free sort of diction, and uh, she is just who she is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, I made that choice for her language because you know English in India, and I think anybody who is. South Asian will recognize this. English holds a particular baggage in India. It's the language of moving forward. It's the language of modernity and improving your life, or that's how it's presented to you anyway. So the struggle to learn English also, I think, represents the struggle to gain a better life for yourself. And I wanted to show through Lovely's language and how she speaks, how she struggles with that, how she struggles with this expectation to learn English. But at the same time, there is so much about her that is kind of bold and defiant and refuses to be boxed in. Yeah, and of all of the things that she wants to dedicate her life to, it's performing and being on the stage and exposed and really revealing mm-hmm. exactly who she is. She's such an interesting character. <laughs> I enjoyed all of the uh, references to, um, oh, the sort of like these aspirational things uh, from the culture, like um, the mention of uh, Shah Rukh Khan and Priyanka Chopra, <laughs> and then yes, some of, of these, other, yeah, Bollywood, <laughs> Bollywood. That was quite welcome, and I just so I just love seeing that interplay of how it's such a fact of life. Uh, the TV shows mm-hmm. um, that uh, P.T. Sir's wife, you know, watches and things like that. I just I found that mm-hmm. so realistically drawn in the novel. I'm so glad that you read it with so much care and picked up on that because that form of aspiration is really such a big part of what I wanted to write about that you watch these cooking shows online and you see people using ingredients that are not available anywhere around you like you know whipped cream from a can and that kind of thing Um, so there is this the whole drive of the book comes from the aspirations of these people to live a better life, to have a chance at a better life. And I think the book really wants to explore what happens when that opportunity is denied. Yes, because life is difficult enough. And then to have these Mm -hmm. sort of trumped up charges that Jivan has to deal with, uh, and it just seems in very difficult moments like... (sighs) Like it's just this irremediable situation. The, the things mm-hmm. that, that she's encountering just as um, a person in, in her, in, in the quotidian space, right, where she's fretting about her father um, having to go to the doctor or she's maybe not, not seeing eye to eye with her mom and things like that. And then, then this other thing happens that's way beyond... Um, her ability to defend herself. I mean, the power, the mm-hmm. power structure and the power disparity that has just consumed her and taken over her life. Um, it's really just so dramatic, uh, such a dramatic thing that's happening to her. And yet then we see 
it's it's sort of a, uh, adjacent to what we're seeing as these very very human qualities with PT Sir and and the things that he's doing, um, and then and then lovely too. I mean, it's sort of like everybody here, for as magnified as the situations seem and very dramatic, when you look at them very closely, they're really th- sort of things of the everyday that they're trying to mm-hmm. manage. Yeah. I hope it's not too much of a stretch to try to understand parts of this world um, and an examination of this story as a as a a way to understand our current situation even in the United States or I agree, yeah, had you considered that while you were working on it? That's a great question. I think I was definitely driven by observing the rise of the right around the world, certainly in the U.S., certainly in India, in Central Europe, in Brazil, all over the world. And I think I did want to write about how people hold big dreams close and chase a better life when the institutions and systems don't serve them, um, and especially with the ascendance of the right and with the ascendance of a kind of extreme nationalism and hatred of the other. I was living in the U.S. while I wrote this, so even though I was reflecting on India, I'm sure that what was happening in the U.S. Um, also played into the book. And I think I have been thinking about how during this pandemic, the ways in which People are not served by their leaders has become very clear. And that is a big part of the book is to ask, well, how do we live in such a society? How do we move forward when we know that our leaders are not working for us? They do not care for our welfare. Um, So certainly I hope that even though the book is very specifically about India I hope that it has resonance for people reading it here in the U.S. and thinking about injustice in their own communities. You know, I just cannot imagine that people will not see those those parallels. Mm-hmm. There's something about about P.T. Sir in particular that I feel is he's just such a vulnerable guy, and he it, he is just ripe for the. <laughs> for the manipulations um, mm-hmm. that he's that he just falls for. And he feels seen, uh, sort of. He feels like mm-hmm. he suddenly is being, uh, somebody's paying attention to him and, and he's important and he matters. And then just as easily you realize in nearly every scene where he wants to believe this, he still is sort of fading into, uh, back into the woodwork a little bit, um, and it's it's just something he keeps sort of feeding and plodding along, um, and he can't help himself. Again, a very human, very human. But that was there was a moment early on with him where that I, I sort of had this idea about. It sounds like people, certainly in the United States, who feel who have felt unseen or unheard, and then. They might not be. Um, 
they might be contributing to uh, to another problem ultimately by um, mm-hmm. uh, feeling that they can give their allegiance to something that seems to be acknowledging their existence. It's very sad. It's a very sad thing to think about. Absolutely. Yeah, I am so grateful for the level of attention and care and creativity you've brought to the book in your own reading. Thank you. No, my pleasure. Absolutely my pleasure. I love this book. A Burning is the debut novel by Mega Majumdar, and it's published by Knopf. This has been Book Public, a Texas public radio podcast about books. Thanks for listening. At Book Public, we're committed to the idea that books have the power to enlighten, educate, and connect us. Are there topics and authors you'd like to hear about on Book Public? Share with us. You can email us at bookpublic at tpr.org. TPR's news director is Dan Katz. Our theme music is by Jacob Rosati, and we had production help from Ben Henry. I'm Yvette Benavides. <laughs>